And today with us on the show, we have an international guest calling in all the way from New York to tell us about how the hospitality industry is becoming more economically friendly and sustainable. We have LeVar Jackson. LeVar has been president of the NEWH, the Hospitality Industry Network. He is also the founder of the Yo Group, which focuses a lot, and he's going to tell us all about it, but focuses a lot on sustainability in terms of hospitality. Um, yeah, and it's he's worked with universities, he's worked with all sorts of different companies, so he's got a wealth of knowledge, and we're very excited to have him on. So, LeVar, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, this is fantastic. Lovely. Well, so please tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about, I guess, how did you get your background? How did you get into hospitality? How then did you get interested in sustainability within hospitality? Um, I'm a very, uh, like, very story. So when it comes to, um, when people say I knew what I was going to do since I was three, I did not. <laughs> um, I moved around a lot. Some things were lateral moves, some things were reverse moves. But um, I had been in uh, hospitality for about 15 years, selling art to hotels as like an art vendor and a you know, curator. And um, I had been you know, fairly successful at that, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, the pandemic rolls around, and it, it changed everything. Um, and you know, the you know, art sales dried up, and everything just stopped. Um, and at that point, I, I took a reflect back on myself, and I said, hey, where do I want to go from here? I had always been interested in, in sustainability, but I had never, um, uh, never really like had the time because you're so fo- like focused on working. So um, I I'm also a huge believer of additive sustainability versus subtractive, meaning sustainability should add things to their lives uh, or replace things at equal level, not take things away from people. So if you're like, hey, uh, to be sustainable, you shouldn't travel. Like, how about we? get away of traveling sustainably versus, you know, taking that away from people. That's so interesting. And that's like, I think it feels like that's a real debate or a real struggle within the climate movement at the minute. It's like, how much do we tell people, actually, you need to cut down on, you know, you shouldn't fly more than four times a year, or you shouldn't, you know, you should cut down how much you fly versus how much do we be like, I guess it's that sort of um, despair versus hope, you know, the carrot and the stick sort of saying, there's scary reasons why we should make these changes, but there's also positive reasons. Yes, yes. Uh, so at that point where, you know, pandemic was raging, I had uh, a colleague who was into like carbon credits. And I'm like, hey, let me jump into this market, see how this is. Like, I, I'm really interested in actually like um, doing it. This is going to get the carbon credit people upset. Uh, but there are highly ineffective carbon credits and there are highly effective carbon credits but the highly ineffective carbon credits is what everyone buys because it's the cheapest and yes. the least effective. Which makes sense because people are, you're doing, you, yeah, because it's, 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 it's you, pl- you buy it, it's cheap. It, uh, it apparently says, you know, it's, it, it gives you something nice to say. You're like, oh, look, we've done the carbon credits, but actually it's, you know, you get what you pay for sort of thing. Yes, yes. Um, so you, there's particularly like um, one of the ones is around trees. Um, there has to be a, a correct accounting for the, the, you know, CO2 does take out of the air, but the way it is, it's very loose. If you plant the tree and you say like, I have the carbon credit for this and it's an unscrupulous company, they'll count that tree from the moment it's the sapling that's planted as fully grown. It's not, it's a little thing. It's oh. not capturing the same amount of carbon that a 30 year old or 40 year old tree would have, uh, per year. Um, then there's no aftercare is that tree taken care of, but they'll sell you the, the, the 
the carbon credit based on a 50-year um, lifespan, but is that tree still alive in 50 years? Um, you know, does it prevent them from coming back and cutting that same tree down? Um, and uh, that is, is kind of how um, uh, I got really sick of the carbon credit market. So the ones that are really highly effective, I'm like, yes, but no one would buy them from me because they're too expensive. They would always go for the cheap stuff. Um, so I said, hey, I have this huge knowledge of hospitality and now I know what not to do. And I had a couple of like inventions rattling around in my mind. And I said, how about I combine those things? Um, so uh, one of the first steps I did is that I um, found an engineer uh, who had worked at, uh, he's the chief of engineering, uh, who worked at uh, GM for uh, about 20 years. Um, and uh, it we, we started chatting about how like we could move forward. And I'm like, hey, we can do this. Um, so then we partnered with um, like Oregon State University. I'm really huge about education because they bring in new knowledge. Um, I'm really about the particularly when we spoke about the you know NEWH and being on the Equity Inclusion and Diversity Committee, that uh, that inclusion part helps with the way people think. So everyone has a different way they grew up, it, particularly around like if they're different language, if they speak different languages, if they're different ages, if they're different. Um, you know, nationalities or ethnicities, all these things come into how someone views things, how they uh, solve problems. You need that in a boardroom. You need that at the top of a business. You need that thing because I think differently than you think differently, than she thinks differently, than he thinks differently, and they think differently. Um, so bringing that all into um, into an inclusive workspace has been really key for us. Um, so the younger people do know, uh, you know, the ones who are in college, you know, like they have a different mindset than I do, who's been out of college for a while, than someone who's in their 60s and 70s who has a different kind of mindset, um, even if we all speak the same language. So it helps a lot with problem solving. So we went about creating an uh, uh, energy generation system. We call it the key energy system. Um, that is uh, not about creating something new, but combining the things that we need in order to create to create as close to a zero waste system as possible, because there's a lot that we leave on the table. Um, so, so, for instance, how, how we'll does take, that work? The key energy system. So it's you and the university, Oregon State University, got together, and we're thinking about how you can combine existing technologies in more efficiently. Yes, um, and creating the, a whole entire system. We're very good at humanity now as being very point efficient. So you say. That solar panel is 98% efficient at creating, a, you know, from UV light turning uh, into electricity. Okay, you're 100%. So you took that roof, you covered it in solar panels, but you then just wasted 100% of the heat energy that touches the uh, roof. How do you recapture that and how do you move that forward and, and put it to use? Or perhaps, you know, you have a, a server room that is, because uh, hotels, uh, <laughs> the server rooms and hotels actually create quite a bit of heat. How do you dissipate that? you just throw it outside? Or do you put it to use? Do you heat water? Do you, um, you know, create heating in the uh, in that space with this system? Like, so the system is, is fairly modular. So, so it takes into you, account. Are you saying, sorry, with solar panels, say that the sunlight hits them, but then the heat from the sunlight is no longer going into the house as it was before? Uh, is that is that the issue you're talking about? So that's a potential um, source of energy that you've just let go. And in fact, the hotter solar panels get, the less efficient they become. So they should be, uh. like, you have to make sure they're clean. They have to stay within a certain temperature range. They're getting much better than they were before. The earlier ones are like, you know, uh, the ones from the 90s are like, if it got too hot, it, 
the power output drops. Um, but you're wasting that source of, of thing. Even if it's in affecting the, the solar panels, there's still you know, IR radiation coming from the sun, the heat that you feel just gets absorbed and, and bounced back into the universe. Why don't we collect that as well? Um, you know, you go into the basement and uh, of a building and it's cool. Why just waste that cooling energy? How about you take that energy and push that up into the rest of the building? Um, so then you can help pre-cool the, the um, spaces uh, so you don't have to use that much electricity to, um, you know, to, uh, to um, cool the rooms. In, in, in fact, if there's a, a restaurant on property, you can pre-chill, um, you know, refrigeration spaces because they have refrigerator rooms. Um, so then you can, you know, effectively half or, or you know, or, or, or two, uh, you know, two, uh, two-thirds your energy costs from that just being, it's like being, it's a mix of being a passive and an active um, property. Um so everything has its failing points. Um, like you said, I'm in New York City. Um, everything has to come. We have to come in as a, a uh, as a holistic thing. So um, heat pumps are super efficient. Um, of course, when you get too cold, they stop working. But that's you know fantastic. But it's a fantastic heat pumps are, are a great thing. So it can cool and heat fairly efficiently. But um, if it, so, we're looking at that as one piece. If we take it as a holistic view. Once New York City reaches 85% saturation uh, point of, uh, for the, the homes of heat pumps, heat pumps become ineffective. And someone says, why? I'll tell you why. Um, uh, heat island effect. So effectively, heat pumps just take the temperature and then shove it outside. The concrete and glass and the concrete jungle, as we like to call it, heats up and then just kicks the heat right back inside. So it becomes like a never-ending loop of you kicking the heat back outside, it's heating the city up, then it's kicking the heat right back inside during, you know, at night and during the daytime. Um, so you have to green the cities to help with the, um, you know, uh, to help with the, the, con- the, the conversion of, um, to, uh, Heat pumps. So we can't. We have to start broadening our vision from just one point to multiple points. So the idea being that the the plants are better at absorbing that heat, and then it doesn't just get kicked back into the buildings or back back in yeah straight away or back into the areas we don't want it straight away. Yes, Um, London is another place I I, I frequent, and it's the same thing. There's a heat island effect. You have to dissipate the heat if you're going to use a lot of heat pumps, Uh, and you know it's just. Everything goes hand in hand. There should be. There's no one solution for sustainability, and that's what our system is about. Um, creating the the hotel as um, passive as possible, so that you're you're already starting below where you need to be for energy needs, and then coming in with what you need, so you don't have to spend all that much more money. Um, in fact, you don't have to spend any more money than you normally would, and you're being more profitable by being sustainable. And impactful, rather than just being um, a thing as a cost sink. And once that happens, the whole market will move there, and you don't need to legislate it. You don't have to scream at anybody about it. You don't have to make people feel bad about it. And it's adding to people's lives versus subtracting from their lives. Right. So, and so the key is it the key energy system that you and uh, Oregon State University worked on together. So is that 
that's is that for hotels um, and sort of big buildings like that specifically where all the different energy systems are interlinked? Yes, so it's better in larger uh, buildings, so multifamily residentials, um, you know, uh, commercial buildings, governmental buildings, uh, schools, that kind of thing, and, and hospitality. So yes, you want as many systems linked together and you need a little bit of space for that. So there, like I said, not one explicit thing is going to solve the problem. We have to say, hey, you know, wind turbines are better here, or this is better here, or a multimodal approach is better for larger buildings because you have a lot of surface area and you have a lot of um, space that you can take advantage of. And then perhaps you can then take that energy and whatever's excess, you can give it back to that community. So then you're, you're, you're changing the relationship between a hotel and the community. Instead of even if a hotel is super sustainable, it's still consuming. So it still needs that power from the grid. It still needs that heating and, and cooling. But if you switch it backwards, now you're the provider. You're providing a good to the community that is clean energy, clean heating and cooling. And uh, they get a benefit not just from jobs or, or you know or service industry jobs in the immediate area, but you'll get something that you'll use 24-7, which is lights, heating, and cooling. Right. So it becomes it becomes more efficient and it gives back to the to the community. And I wonder, because I know this is something you um, think about or you talk about, sort of the connection between sustainability and social impact. You know, um, as you're saying, it's not all isolated. All these things are interconnected. And I think we as a society are becoming more and more aware of how much things are interconnected that we previously didn't spot. But what, how does that come about in your work, the, that connection between sustainability and social impact? What do you see? Okay, so this comes in an actual practical fashion. Um, I I'm still sourcing um, uh, textiles for like seat coverings, uh, you know, like bedding, that kind of stuff. And I found this company that was seemed super sustainable, and it seemed absolutely fantastic. And um, uh, I just happened during the process, right before I was going to sign the the um, contract, I asked. Where was, who made this? Instead of just how it was made, we're very used to asking how something was made. And that's a very good thing because the, that's the sustainability part. The who is the, the impact. It's the sustainable for people and um, the how is, is sustainable for the planet. And it ended up coming out that it's effectively slave labor that is producing this sustainable fabric. And I said, no, it, it, you can't do that. You have to be sustainable for the people and the planet. We can't take advantage of people to try to save the planet because then the people won't do that. Wow, um, and and it's also yeah, who are we saving the planet for if we're not, you know, taking everyone along with us? So this was a company that their big, their big sort of branding or their big selling point was they were sustainable, but then actually you looked into it and they had this sort of dirty secret. Yes, so it was a so. Hospitality has a very specific point that we give out large contracts. So when I would get a, a you know art pro you know contract that was million two million bucks, um, just for the art you know simple stuff in the hotel rooms, not like you know like uh, Picasso or something. We give out large contracts. The way we use our contracts can immediately change the way um, an industry runs. So if we say, hey, we don't want anything to do with slave labor or this kind of business practice or that kind of business practice, it will change the thing in a minute because that is four or five million you know, dollar contract per contract. You can shift the industry very quickly and for no extra cost to the to hotel, just saying, who made this? 
can absolutely make a huge difference and it doesn't cost us anything. It's like, you know, like my grandmother used to say, thank you costs you nothing. Um, asking who made this costs us nothing. Yeah, I suppose it's then there's maybe a little a small time cost and then you then have to find a different supplier. But it's about bringing those principles and those ethics into these big choices, these big contracts, because now people are like, oh, well, I better improve my practices. Otherwise, people are going to start avoiding me for these contracts. Yes. Um, and it's also material choices. Um, so we also have a uh, uh, LG growth system that can help, can produce alcohol, um, food, fuel, oils, and um, textiles. So we're going to partner with another company to turn that algae into the textiles on property. And from there, we'll create an industry that normally wouldn't be in um, in that locale. So, so, we, so is, this, is this still to do with hotels or is this somewhere? So you've got algae on site being grown to provide, you said, sorry, food, alcohol, textiles, which is still mind-boggling to me that algae can do all of this. Um, yeah, so you can do that on property. Uh, so the first benefit is that it cleans the air, the immediate air that's around it. So it's absorbing carbon. It's effective like you planted a bunch of trees. Um, in fact, 60% of the world's oxygen comes from the ocean. It doesn't come from trees. Um, so uh, you're immediately cleaning that. It's effectively every single piece of, um, uh, of, of textile that comes from that product is carbon negative because it's absorbing the carbon as it goes along. Um, it, you can use salt water uh, to grow it, so it's um, you don't need to use potable water for textiles. For the edible ones, you want uh, potable water. But um, then on top of that, um, it uses 97% less uh, water than uh, growing cotton does or corn. Um, so it's highly more effective, uh, efficient, and you could grow it anywhere. So you could bring it, so like if I build a hotel in Siberia, as long as there's enough sunlight or have grow lights, um, I can grow that right there, produce all the things right there. There's no transportation costs when it comes to dragging it across the world. Um, then you're also controlling who actually, uh, you know, is 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 um, uh, creating that textile. So then you can actually, you, the who comes into to play there. So you, you're in control of the payment. You can spend it off as a public benefits corporation, which we'll do for our hotels. Um, then it becomes a, uh, you know, it gives back to the community in a different way, in a, a cash money way. Um, and you're creating an industry that wasn't there. So then not only is it building, that textile could be built for that our hotels, then the textiles could be built for the surrounding area. Perhaps the, you know, like if you come in and stay, you, know, you love our, our covers, you'll buy one of the textiles from um, the algae-based uh, thing in the basement. That's amazing. So yeah, people could be staying in these hotels and then in below them in the basement, the all this algae is creating all this amazing stuff um, that and you know that we never really thought possible. And sort of what reception are you? So you're a founder and CEO of Yo Group. Um, so what's Yo Group up to at the minute? And sort of like what's your focus uh, through that at the moment? We are running into our first uh, property. It looks like it's going to be in Pittsburgh, um, but that can change depending on contracts. But so, <laughs> but it, it, it looks like we're, we're running up. We're still looking for partners, particularly around sustainable products. Um, and I mean, like really sustainable, impactful products. I'm, um, we're talking with a company that does, um, uh, turns uh, 
seaweed into textiles as well to have a backup just in case the algae stuff doesn't work. Um, there's also certain um, products that look work better. So there could be, um, you know, seaweed makes really good curtains and really uh, long-lasting curtains. So that's also something that's... That's so uh, interesting. It's curtains, is that like particular? I guess they need to be particularly hard-wearing or particularly dense to provide that proper blackout curtain effect? Yes, but also people do ball things in hotels. So like people are <laughs> like children like pulling on the shades or like people are doing things that are people are very rough to things they don't own. So it has to be um, more durable than normally what you would have at home. And seaweed um, is very strong. It's like, I can deal with this. <laughs> yes, yes. Imagine seaweed has to be in the ocean. They're also in a tidal area. So usually there's a lot of waves. They have to be, they're pulled on, pulled on constantly by the, the earth's forces is a very strong um, and fairly thick um, substance. So if you took seaweed and try to look through it, it's usually black. You can't really see through it. Take two layers of that, you know, effectively, and you've got blackout curtains. Um, you just have to get the smell of the ocean out of it. And that's part of the process. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I never thought about that. When you say it, it makes complete sense. Um, yes. Yeah, so you, so you're gathering all these different, you're in, co- in contact with all these different people. You're working on opening your first uh, sustainable hotel in uh, Pitts, hopefully Pittsburgh, if all works out well. Um, and yeah, so that that sounds like a major undertaking, but potentially quite groundbreaking. Because is it one of the first of its kind in the world? I'm guessing there are sustainable hotels, and we want to take it beyond that. So there, you can be carbon neutral, and that's a sustainable hotel. I want to go to the carbon negative part, point. We're creating this hotel, took things out of the air. Where uh, running this hotel provides clean energy that, no, that did not exist before. So that's how you move to carbon negative. Um, you know, the textiles are made out of things absorb carbon out of the air, and it doesn't really, it's not a huge impact on the environment. You don't need fertilizer, you don't need a lot of water. Um, you can take that and, and put that into the hotel. Everything has been, you know, scrupulously done. And the things that we do have to cut down, so if they're trees, make them long lasting. Don't nothing should be disposable when it comes to um, anything in a hotel except for you know good you know food products. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what sort of reaction are you getting from the rest of the hospitality network? I know we talked at the start of this interview about you were president of the NEWH, which is a hospitality network in New York, um, and you've just finished that term and now you've got some free time. Well, not free time, sounds like you're very busy, but you've got more time for other things. Um, but what sort of reaction were you getting from the network or what's sort of the vibe amongst your colleagues in the hospitality industry about this? So from the vendor standpoint, they're huge believers of sustainability. They're like, hey, I have a sustainable line. And they say, no one bought from me because it's slightly more expensive. And that was my experience as a vendor as well. So I had found, uh, I'll take you into the fun world of art. Um, but it's just prints. These are just prints. But even if it's a canvas, which could be reused, we have to spray, they, they have different words for it, but it's a, a coating. Um, and that coating makes it non-recyclable. And I mean, and it's highly toxic. It has to go directly into a dumpster and you like when they, you can't shred them on property. Like, and this is the sort of prints that you would see in a hotel that are used to decorate the walls. It's sort of pieces of art that would maybe be on the hotel for several years and then at some point it'll get replaced, but then it can't be recycled. Yes. And I found um, a coating and a, a, a canvas that worked together well that was recyclable. Uh, and it was only about a penny more per square foot 
15 years, no one bought a single drop of that. Everyone else bought the regular stuff because there was no ROI on that. Um, much like clothing, hospitality is trend-focused, um, but it's a longer... They're, I, they're trends, but they're longer trends. It's not as close as, you know, seasonal as, as clothing does. But within 10 years, a location could become the hot spot or become the not spot. And they have to make sure that there's a lot of money that goes into making a hotel. So if I buy a land, a piece of, a parcel of land for $2 million, I'm spending at least 15 to $20 million to get it up and running. I have 10 years, but before the market might shift and say like, oh, this place isn't hot anymore. I'm going down, you know, we're, we're moving. So, um, you know, people, I see the general trends, like you say, oh, a lot of people used to go to the South Italy. Now everyone's going to North Italy or, you know, for example. Yeah. Um, so you have to make that money back fast or they come and take everything you own. So, <laughs> so, so people, um, so they're wanting to make their money back within 10 years. They're not thinking beyond that, or they are thinking if we're still here in 10 years, we're going to have to revamp everything, you know, zhuzh it up, make it, give it a re, you know, a re-look so that it's fresh and new and people will come back again. Yes. So they're, they're risk adverse because the hotel itself is a risk, the largest risk. So they're more risk adverse than for taking on like a, a um, you know, even technology. I've still gone to hotels. I'm old enough to remember still using a key to get into a hotel room as like a kid with my parents going on vacation. Like the key with a number on the side. And it wasn't a motel. It was like a hotel. Like it had multiple floors. Um, there's still hotels that still have those swipe cards um, with the magnetic strip on the back that if you touch near, near your phone, it like erases it. Um, I, I stayed in a hotel like that. And it was a high-end hotel recently. And I was like, oh, this key is from like 1992. Um so they're very risk adverse. They're very afraid of taking that leap because that leap may bite them in the backside. Um, and it does occasionally do, does bite them in the backside. So like um, in Vegas, uh, they had a uh, hack um, and they locked all the doors and nobody could get in and out. And it was a huge thing. So you have this gigantic casino with, you know, 400 rooms and no one can patronize it. And oh my goodness. Trying to hold so, them and this was because of key cards, but someone yes. had hacked the system Oh, gosh, that sounds terrifying. This is why they're like highly resistant to um, being on the cutting edge of things. So they want to see, hospitality wants to see things that are proven and then they'll pull them over. It's like solar panels are starting to roll around to hotels. They're, they're starting to get there. Um, you know, uh, they can do soft practices easier. So saying like, hey, we don't wash the sheets every day. We wash them every other day. Um, that stuff is measurable because they can always just flip back if it doesn't work. Uh, but the hard things, the things that cost money, and the things that are semi or permanent, semi permanent or permanent, they're very cautious about. So that's why I'm here to make sure that it's more profitable by being sustainable and impactful than not being sustainable and impactful. Once I do that, everyone else is just going to do it anyway. So you're there trying to kind of lead, help lead the way to be like, look, this is the way people are going. People are becoming, you're sort of, it's very much uh, focused around, I guess it's focused partly around consumer choice, being like, this is what people want. They want to be in sustainable hotels. You're trying to show it's profitable to other people in the industry to also make these choices. Yes, but also to the people who do not care if they're in a sustainable hotel. Um, so that is, that's not the defining factor. The defining factor is that we run with a higher margin and a higher profit then others don't. So it doesn't matter. So people who want to pick us because we're sustainable will pick us. The people who don't care won't pick us because we're not charging extra for being sustainable. 
So they'll still be interested because you're good value. So you're trying to show that it's actually more profitable to be sustainable. Yes, it, I, I take it down to the, so there's like the segment of population that's really into it and there's a segment of population that's not. So I would liken it to uh, air travel. So for instance, you know, um, you could pay maybe 10 more bucks and get a seat with extra seat room, uh, you know, a little, a little bit of extra leg room. And you're not crammed up and your knees aren't in your chest. No, they're still getting Ryanair because it's $10 cheaper. So you can't charge a premium for being sustainable. You have to be sustainable whether or not you charge that premium. And the only way to do that is being more profitable than not being profitable. And that you have to do it without affecting the uh, end client as much as, as it is now. Right. So it's about making it a more attractive lifestyle in general, like with people eating less meat. If, you know, there's also other focusing on other arguments being like, well, it's healthier for you. It's cheaper for you. Looking at other options as well as, you know, the environmental impact. So you're trying to, and I guess it, it's again about the carrot and the stick. You know, some people will be doing these things because they're scared of climate change and they're worried about our futures and some people won't be doing that but they will be like oh that hotel is a bit cheaper or that hotel is a better value for the same money and they'll be going there because you've made it attract you've made it equally attractive to an to a less sustainable hotel yes you put it perfectly i call it additive sustainability versus subtractive sustainability you're adding something to people's lives without taking anything else away Uh, so if you're not going to eat the meat perhaps the thing that you replace it with is just as tasty add to people's lives, and people will do it head over heels very quickly. Um, and I, I, it, it comes down to price point as well. If you're co- it costs more to be sustainable, our, everyone's pockets are screaming. We can't make them scream anymore. We have to figure out a way to be more profitable by maximizing in all the waste that we have and turning it to something or, or, or maximizing on that. Yeah. And I mean, I imagine a lot of it, it's, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between, you know, the psychology of consumer choice that I'm sure you come across in hotel, the hotel and hospitality industry and the psychology of, you know, people's choices in how they live their lives around the environment. And there's a lot of overlap, it sounds like, in terms of why people choose what they choose, which is a whole separate conversation I could probably spend an hour on, but I think we're running out of time. Um, but yes, so is there anything, any final messages or stories you want to leave with our listeners? Well, so the last thing I want to leave our listeners with is uh, sustainability uh, or climate change is a as much as a corporate liability as it is a, a personal one. So we focus on the personal loss and the personal cost. We're not, we don't focus on the business loss or the corporate loss or the commercial loss. So for instance, you have a storm that only happens once every 10 years. It's happening once every year now, and it's wrecking this beach and it's destroying homes. There's probably a hotel somewhere uh, that's being wrecked as well that's down the beach. There's a restaurant that somebody's great, great, great grandmother, you know, founded has been washed away. Um, it's just as a as an effect, and I'll take I'll 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 make it personal. Uh, in New York City, where I live, it's been raining a lot, like torrential downpour, not the England kind of rain. This is like tsunami kind of rain, uh, like a monsoon it, that used to happen every couple of years. It's happening every multiple times per year, where we're like flooded. You might see on the news where like all the water's running down into the you know the subway stations, and everyone's like running and fleeing. It's happening every couple of months now. Uh, one of my last memories 
of, and we're, again, that's people focused because it's people running around and, and personal focus. Um, one of the last memories I have of my grandfather is taking me to see Prospect Park Zoo as a child, very young child. Um, during one of those rainstorms, it's washed away and it is no longer existing and had been there since the 1800s. This, the the um, actual zoo that you went yes, to? Yeah, they said like, we can't rebuild, it's completely destroyed, we have no more money and it's closed forever. Um, and that is a, you know, a corporate personal thing. Um, you know, it's personal and it's also corporate. So we both share the, the duties. It's not just about the individuals not eating meat. It's also about Amazon shipping their products in a, a way that isn't destroying, you know, the planet. Or it's about, you know, uh, Exxon Valdiv, like not spilling a bunch of oil in the ocean and, um, you know, killing sea life and, and doing all these other things. It, it, everybody's hands have to be in it. And, and corporate hands have to be in it just as much because those storms are reaching other things. Or, you know, the um, climate is changing and it stops raining here. Those are farms. It could, it could be corporate farms as well. There are suppliers for cotton. There are suppliers of food. There are suppliers of this. And that could be used by XYZ company, but it's no longer, it's no longer valuable. Um, so hold, hold yourself to a high account, but also hold the companies you deal with to a high account to that same standard for sustainability. Yeah, I think that's very true. And I think some corporations are very, very much focused on, you know, well, think about your individual things. You know, are you littering? Are you, you know, oh, you drove a car, you drive a car sometimes, so you, you're in no position to critique. But actually, corporations have, as you say, you know, have bigger bigger hands in the pie or are are in impacting things a lot bigger you know they say that mm, a disproportionate number of amount of uh, the carbon emissions in the world come from a limited number of companies so I think and what you're saying is it's also looking on how it will affect corporations long term as well as affecting individuals and trying to show corporations that this is going to affect them and their profits as well yes yes so for myself, particularly in hospitality, there's certain regions that I will not build in because the insurance prices are super high because the storms are getting really bad. And sometimes those properties are uninsurable. So that is a direct effect on this business. Um, and I want to help solve that. A little bit of, I can't solve it completely, but I can at least add to the solution. Amazing. And so, LeVar, if people want to find out more about you or find out more about sustainability in hospitality or the Yo Group, where should they look online? Where should they find you? Uh, you can look at uh, www.yoghgroup. Uh, that's our website. Um, Yo Group is ours. <laughs> so just Google it and it'll come up. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us um, all over the place. We're on YouTube. We've got some explainer videos of what we do. Um, and I love to hear from you. Like, I love the feedback. If you've got a product that's truly sustainable or an invention or something, I want to, I want to see it. I want to see how it works. I want to see all the things, particularly around textiles, because that's a very big thing for us right now. Um, I also want to help out small businesses. I was a small business for so many years and I would never have succeeded if someone had not pointed at me and said, yes, I'll take a chance on you. So I'm more willing to take a chance on a small business that is doing something fantastic as well as a big business, but I want to make sure that everyone is represented in, in what I do. Amazing. So that's Yo Group, Y-O-G-H Group. And you said the word Yo, it comes from an old English word. Is that right? 
Yes, it's much like ampersand is the old symbol for why. So I want to say, be the why, not the because. Be the thing that reason why good things happen, not because bad things have happened. So move us to a proactive kind of business model and, and lifestyle, where particularly around sustainability and impact, than being reactive. You know, the, you know, I'll. It's the best that I can do. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, brilliant. Well, thanks so much for coming on, LeVar. Um, yes, and best of luck for all of that. I'll keep an eye out for seeing about, you know, um, when, the, when the hotel opens. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. That was really interesting. All right. Thank you very much for having me.